0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. If you your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 6. Luke chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know which one I'm going to first. He had me throw Luke 4 in during worship, so he didn't change the message. He just expanded it. So let me go ahead and pray as we go into the message time. Father, we just thank you that you're present, you're active, you're breathing. I thank you that your word is alive and active. And I just pray for an encounter with your word this morning. God, we, we just make an active choice this morning to go for the new, Not that your word changes, but our understanding of you changes and grows and matures. So I ask, Lord God, right now that we would see, behold, I do a new thing. Lord God, take even the scriptures that we know and we've read through and we've loved and and we've chewed on, God, and I pray for the new thing to come into. it. There'd be a freshness, there'd be a life, especially in this area of spiritual warfare, Lord God. Let us operate from the victory of Christ. And we just declare this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So obviously we're in a season right now of warfare across the natural realm and the planet. And so it's important for us to ask, what's happening? How do we engage with this? How do we interact with the world and bring the kingdom mandate as it is in heaven here under the earth when it looks like the earth is doing everything it can to rebel against as it is in heaven? And what I want to tell you is this. We've been talking about for weeks about how do you center yourself? How do you know how to take on a kingdom mindset? How do you know how to operate from your kingdom identity and the kingdom nature that God has created within you? How do you know to be able to hear the word of God, to be transformed by the word of God and to actually speak the word of God that actually cleanses a land, that actually cleanses a people, that actually brings hope? It's important for us to be able to do this. And when we're walking through a situation like we are in the world, it's important also for us not to prejudge what God is doing based off of interpretations or understanding about the end times alone. Let me say this importantly I believe we're living in the end times. I believe that we've been living in the end times for 2,000 years because it says, when the Spirit poured out, then the end the, the, is the beginning of the end times. And so God sometimes takes a long time to move suddenly right? Each generation since the beginning of Jesus believed that they were living in the time that Jesus was going to come back. And guess what? He hadn't come back yet. Sometimes we're waiting for him to come back, and he's actually waiting for us to come out. (laughs) I'll just say this counterfeit. Coming out has been celebrated about lifestyles, Okay, for 20-something years, 30-something years, more longer than that. Whether that be a gay lifestyle or a transgender or any of the other areas, let me come out of the closet. And what I'm telling you is the enemy was trying to beat the church to the punch. Because we're supposed to go in the prayer closet, but we're supposed to come out of the closet and bring as it is in heaven under the earth. And what ends up happening is this, is we become so overwhelmed by world circumstances that we go, gosh, what's going to happen? You know, what if there's a food shortage? What if there's this shortage? What if this is going on? Well, what if there is? What if you were just the answer to the shortage? Okay, what we can't be afraid of what's going on in natural circumstances is because of the war in Ukraine, is there suddenly going to be a a worldwide wheat shortage? Maybe. But how did that ever stop God in the past? I just I feel in the sense of what especially in that the 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 song Holy Spirit let me become more aware of your presence I, I really want to challenge us to become more aware of who we actually are in him it, it, it's so important when he said this it is finished it is complete we must become more aware of what that actually means and live from the completed the finished work of Jesus because our hope doesn't come with what's going on in the world or what was before Jesus. Our hope comes from what he's already done, what he's already accomplished, and the overflow of this. And so I want to talk to you about victory over the enemy and how do we live from the completed work in warfare. In Matthew 6, 9, it says this, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me hear you say, deliver us from the evil one. one. Jesus would not have told the disciples to pray, deliver us from the evil one, if the evil one did not still have the capacity to attack you. The kingdom is held in tension it's this strange paradigm, and i 've used this illustration before, but if you have a guitar string and the top string the sixth string is, is the is the low e string and, and it 's held in tension and and you have to you have to turn the appropriate tension in order to get that note of the e on the low scale. If you go too, too loose, it's going to be flat. If you go too sharp, it's going to be too sharp. If you go too tight, it's something about finding that, that perfect note. And it's the same thing with kingdom truths. We have to come into this place as this. When Jesus says, it is finished, he completely won it. He disarmed the foe. It says this, he went into hell and disarmed. Let me hear you say disarmed. He disarmed the, the, the enemy. And he handed us the keys to the kingdom. He says, all authority has been given to me. That's absolutely true. Let me hear you say, that's absolutely true. But let me tell you what's also absolutely true. The enemy still for a season is able to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me hear you say, that's absolutely true. The problem is, is when we leave, live in the extremes of the tension points rather than in the tension point itself of that truth, which says this, he won absolute victory, but for a season in his sovereign will, the enemy's allowed to still roam around like a lion. Notice it says like one, it isn't. he isn't one. We have the only line, which is the line of Judah. Yeah. But he wants to masquerade like the lion, seeing whom he can devour. Why is it? Because he had all his authority taken away. But the Bible also says the gift and calling of God is, is without revoke. What it means is he doesn't change his mind about the gift and calling that he gives to you, to me, or to Lucifer. He created Lucifer, which is Satan, with specific gifts and abilities. So just because Jesus disarmed him of his authority doesn't mean he took away his ability And so the enemy's still trying for a season to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is why it says this, and don't lead us into temptation, Jesus. The Bible says that God won't tempt you because he himself can't be tempted by evil. And so what is this? Um, Where are you leading me, Jesus? Because if you lead me, Holy Spirit, you will never lead me into a place where I actually will be defeated. But deliver me from the evil one. What's interesting about this, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 4. This is where he wants to put that. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the Holman Christian Standard. It says Then Jesus returned from the Jordan. What's he doing in the Jordan River? This is right after Jesus is baptized in the water by John. The Father speaks from heaven, says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. So he, he experienced baptism twice. Baptism of water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so then Jesus returns from the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit. Let me hear you say, full of the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did was full of the Holy Spirit. This is why we're a spirit-filled church, because if it was what Jesus needed to operate on the planet, it's absolutely what's necessary for us. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, listen to this, to be tempted by the devil. Tension points, remember this. Wait a minute, I thought God couldn't tempt me with evil. No, God won't do the tempting, but the devil will. See, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the desert place, in order to be tempted by the devil. Why? Because Jesus was going to demonstrate what kingdom life looks like in the middle of spiritual warfare. When you're tired, you're hungry, and you feel you're without. In that place, the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy, to, to tempt you, to confuse you, to speak lies to you. And Jesus is going, even in that place at your weakest moment, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't actually have to bow to temptation. So look what it says here. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Notice that it's this place where Jesus is in need. He's actually to the end of his, he's in weakness. He's at the end of his strength, he's in weakness, and that's when the devil comes to tempt him. He says, if you're the son of God, he, he leads with, if you really are who God says you are, he, he attacks his identity immediately. Just like in the Garden of Eden where he came to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say? That, that attack wasn't about attacking who Adam and Eve were. It was actually about attacking who God is. Because he's saying, did God really say? What's he implying? God's a liar. He's going to attack identity. This is the playbook of what he does in spiritual warfare. And so he comes at Jesus. If you are the son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Most manuscripts also would add, but, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why is that important? Old Testament. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Every word that proceeds, it's the preceding word. It's the rhema word of God. It's what we talked about last week. So Satan took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In other words, it's kind of interesting Satan operates in the second heaven, which is outside of time and space as well. And he looks over and he says, in a moment of time, what I say is, it's almost like he's saying from the beginning to the end, here's all the kingdoms that will rise up. And he says this, I will give you their splendor and all this authority. Let me hear you say all this authority. Because it was given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Let me say this, the most effective lie has got a partial truth in it. So this is true. Why? Because Adam and Eve had all the authority over the kingdoms of the earth. When they sinned, when they fell away, it fell, the authority fell down. And so Satan came and he picked it up. So he legitimately had authority to give the kingdoms over. And so he's tempting Jesus with this thing, saying, in fact, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. The devil did not know he was going to the cross. We have to understand this, because if the devil knew Jesus was going to the cross, he never would have done it. He never would have moved the hearts of men. He would have everything he could to keep Jesus from going to the cross. So that's not the motivation. The motivation of, the, of Satan is this. He's very short-sighted. He does not have a long-term vision. He's always looking for the immediate victory, the immediate thing that says, worship me, worship me, worship me. That's what the enemy's doing. So what he'll tempt you with is short-term victory or short-term relief from pain in order to be able to get you to to worship him. That's why it says sin is actually pleasurable for a moment, But, but, but it's a moment in time. It's not time itself. It's not the length of life says, so I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it was given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. Again, he's going back to this place. And now he's, he's countering Jesus' identity again, saying, I know you to be the king of kings. But down here, I actually have all authority. And so if you'll just worship me, I not only have the worship of humanity, now I have the worship of the king of kings. I've got God worshiping me. He's attacking Jesus' identity. And he's actually speaking to Jesus. You can avoid the pain of what's coming. But Jesus answers him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 9, so he took him to Jerusalem and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. He took him to church. And said to him, if you are the son of God, same thing again, identity, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will give his angels order, orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it's said, do not test the Lord your God. In other words, what Jesus is being tempted with in this is, hey, um, abuse the authority that you have. Abuse the love that God has for you. Don't treat it as something that's actually very unique and kind. Just throw yourself off. Be careless with the life that you have. And what I'm saying is like this. The devil will often come to us and say, hey, just be carefree, be careless about what's happening. God's gonna, if God really is good and if he's really your father, then you can do whatever you want and he will rescue you from actually striking your foot on the ground. And that's an open door to a mess. Is it not? And it was to say this, if you throw yourself off a temple, it makes a mess. See, the Lord is trying to speak something to us today, saying, don't fall for the same tricks. Do not test the Lord your God. Honor him who know he is. Verse 13, it says, after that, the devil had finished every temptation. Let me hear you say every temptation. And he departed him for a time. I I would propose to you, only three are recorded but I bet you there was more. Because it says this, Jesus was tempted in every way we're tempted and yet was without sin. I don't think it happened all in that moment. But I think over the course of his life, the enemy came back numerous times and tried to tempt Jesus in every way that you or I tempted. Let we say that. That means sexually. That means gender. That means identity. That means addictions. Come on. That means money that means relationships, that means anger, that means sorrow, that means a whole lot of every way you can be tempted here. Jesus experienced that temptation because he knew who he was. I am the beloved son of God, and I am full of the Holy Spirit. He was able in that place to walk in complete victory. So what was it that Jesus secured? Complete and full victory. It is finished, and we have to understand as we step into this thing, We're called to not bow to the pressures of the world or the enemy, but only live from the pleasure of the Father. Papa Jack, my spiritual father, used to say this get yourself into that truth, and you can get over anything and everything that works against it. God rules. God rules. I will. Give me a second. God rules. That doesn't mean he is in control. The only one that God's in control of is himself. He's in charge, and he empowers you to be in control of yourself. Why is it that the devil can still kill and destroy? Because for a season, he's able to control himself, and he can't help but tempt you. He can't help but try to mess up the plans of God. This is the enemy coming. But you can control you by submitting your heart to the Father and by living underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit Jesus lived by. We love to use that verse, and it's a true verse It says, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives in you, raises us. And so I want to say that the same spirit that empowered Jesus to live the way he lived is the same spirit. He doesn't change. It's the same spirit. God rules and you're submitting to that rule. Here's a quote from Papa Jack. Get yourself into that truth that God rules, and you can get over anything and everything that works against it. Get yourself into the truth that God rules, and you can get over anything and everything that works against the truth of God's rule. In John 3.8, John writes that Jesus came to what? Destroy the works of the devil. It is finished. The problem is this. The world has not yet experienced the fullness of the completed work of Jesus, which is why we must go. We're about to send dear spiritual son and daughter back into the Middle East. What are we doing? We're extending. They're extending the complete rule and reign of God. It is completed into a place that's not fully living underneath the rule and reign of God. What's happening right now, our dear friends that are in, in, and I want to be careful because social media, the enemy does monitor social media, but we have friends who are in Europe right now ministering to the, the refugees coming out of Ukraine, and they're seeing mighty works of God take place. I got a testimony that there was this man who owns a gigantic warehouse full of supplies and, I mean, all kinds of things that you can imagine, and he says, here's the keys. You can come and take anything you want. What is that? That's the favor of God. It's God working all things out for his good, for our good, according to his purposes. And right now, all hell is breaking loose in Ukraine, apparently. And I would say is all heaven is breaking loose. The danger of warfare is we put our eyes on the enemy, we put the eyes on the counterfeit, and we go, oh, no, the devil's speaking. I don't give a rip what the devil's saying. I only care what my God has already done and what he is saying now. I have all victory. This is where we have to move into this place. We're only reinforcing the victory that Jesus won on the cross. The devil and the demons are defeated foes. Revelation 20.10, Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Why does Satan want a temporary victory? Because he already knows he has an eternal defeat. Why would I bow to a foe who's already going to be tormented for all, for all of eternity? Why would I give my allegiance, my worship to a temporary enemy when I have a permanent king? Amen? This is of what he's doing in the room right now. Satan will both directly attack and try to deceive through lies, counterfeits, and sometimes they appear like the real thing. Don't let the devil get you into the shallows of what doesn't matter as if it does. Papa Jack. Don't let the devil get you into the shallows of what doesn't matter as if it does. Um, I love to fish. You go down to the coastline of Texas, and and then the bays of whether you're around Port Aransas or Aransas Pass, Rockport, all those areas, there's bays, and it's wide across, a wide expanse of water, and it looks like it's deep water, but how many people have ever been down there, and you realize in some places it's six inches, some places it's a foot, and some places it's 10 feet deep or, or deeper. And as you look across, it'd be very easy to look with your eyes and say it's all covered with water. It's too deep to actually walk, or it's too, it's it's deep enough for me to drive my boat across. And I've and they've they've made advancements in boats where the prop comes up and it allows you to move with an incredible rate of speed to go burning across something that's six inches deep. It's actually if has anybody ever seen that? It's pretty pretty amazing. The the boat, the, the engine will come up, it's got a trim on it. And if you're going down the road and you know and you got your depth finder, six inches is coming or seven inches is coming, you can actually, if you maintain your speed, blow across the shallows so it doesn't actually sink you. What's the enemy trying to trip you up with lies? He's trying to get you to stop and fear. So you actually get bogged down into a place. And this is what Papa Jack's saying. Don't let the devil get you into the shallows of what doesn't matter as if it does. This is why it's important for us to forgive. This is why it's important for us to not hold on to regret. This is why it's important for us to move into a place of reconciliation within our hearts and with every single person that's around us. We must move into a place of reconciliation because I'm telling you right now, unforgiveness will become the place of a shallow that will sink you and stop your momentum in the Lord. I'm not speaking to anybody. am speaking to everybody. This is important for us to understand. It is finished. Say it with me. It is finished. You cannot afford to live in something that's not completed. You can't. John 10, verse 1. I assure you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the door, climbs in by another way, is a thief and a robber. Anything that does not, this is how you can tell, is it it Jesus or not? If it doesn't come through the voice of Jesus, if it doesn't come through the gate of who Jesus is demonstrated in his word, demonstrated through his death, burial, and resurrection, then it's actually a thief. A lot of times voices come to us and and they're saying, oh, I'm Jesus, I'm trying to tell you about God. But they did not come through the door of Jesus. You need to shut those things down. You, You just have to. You cannot afford to let a thief come in through another gate, another way. Spiritual warfare. Try to give you orders. They'll try to stop you. The doorkeeper opens it for him. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Let me hear you say he leads them out. He wants to lead you into a place of freedom, a wide-open expanse, where you can actually eat of many different things. This is Jesus, the the shepherd. He's not keeping you in a pen and pinning you up so you can't step into freedom. He actually wants to open the doors of the church. There's a season we come into the pen to sleep at night, but there's a time that we step out and we actually go and we go into the wide open fields. Here we go. Verse, let's go back to verse 3. The doorkeeper opens it for him. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from the stranger because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this illustration, but they did not understand it for he was, that he was telling about them excuse me, verse 7. So Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep doesn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Let me hear you say, come in, go out. This has to do with worship. David understood this time. There was a when, when David got himself in trouble, temptation was this. It says in the year that the kings went out to war. When you say out to war. That meant there was a season that was good for war. The weather was good. The land you there was a time for the you go the go out to war. And so David should be leading his troops out on the battle plane, but he doesn't go out at the appropriate time. And instead, he sits back in his palace. And this is where he sees Bathsheba actually bathing on the on the rooftop. Who's who's the wife of another? And of course we if you know the story of the Bible, he actually sends. His messenger's over, ends up sleeping with her, having an affair with her, um, ends up killing arranging to, to kill the husband. So it's a whole complete mess. Why was it? Because, because David was supposed to go out, and he didn't. This whole aspect of they will come in and they go out has to do with worship in warfare worship and sharing the gospel what is coming in have to be it's appropriate time for me to go into the temple of god and to worship to go into the quiet place to go into the closet to understand who he's called me to be this is an important time for us all to come into that place we're in the sheep pen but we have to understand the door is going to open up and if we don't go out the sheep pen will actually become a place of danger and temptation do you hear what i'm saying You have to get over your comfort of being just in the sheep pen. It's time to get over the discomfort and get out there. Come in and go out. Verse 10, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert. Let me say, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour it's a manifestation of a counterfeit. I love this story. Exodus chapter 7, verse 8. Moses and Aaron are before Pharaoh. Remember what I talked about weeks ago about the rod of Moses becoming the rod of God, and how many people realize that Aaron was also given a rod. So Aaron went through the same process of laying down and And actually picking up the rod of the Lord. Verse 9. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Pharaoh will demand, show me a miracle. And when he does this, say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down in front of Pharaoh, and it will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did what the Lord had commanded them. Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials and became a serpent. Then Pharaoh called in his own wise men and sorcerers, and these Egyptian magicians did the same thing with their magic. Let me hear you say, same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, which became serpents. I'm not going to read the rest of that quite yet. Why were they able to do this? Remember the story of Moses. As long as something remains in your hand, it's actually a serpent waiting to bite you. This is what man can do on his own. This is what man can do separate from God. The point of this is that uh, Moses and Aaron had already surrendered their ability to do something so they could pick up the rod, and it was actually the rod of God. And so they are doing it in obedience to God. What were the magicians doing? They were doing obedience into a false king. Right? They were listening to another voice, and they threw it down. My favorite verse in this, verse 12, so they threw their staffs down, which also became serpents. But then Aaron's staff, what? Say it out loud. I don't really care what the devil can do. My God will always swallow what the devil tries to do. Where, O oh, death is your sting, life swallowed up Death. The enemy will attack. The question is, what will you do when the attack comes? Number three, stand firm, stand your ground, and don't waver. May I say stand firm, stand, firm. Stand, your ground, stand your ground, and don't waver. 1 no. Peter five nine: stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, let me say in his kindness, God called you to share his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. So what happens when you're underneath the salt? What happens when you find yourself in the place that Jesus found himself, full of the Holy Spirit, but tired, hungry, didn't have a place to lay his head. He's in the middle of the desert, and here comes the devil tempting him. What happens when you're in that place? Stand firm against him. Don't waver. Stand your ground. Stay strong in your faith. In his kindness, God's called you to share his eternal glory by the means of Christ Jesus. That's an incredible promise. What's the long game on this? I might suffer in a moment what's going on, but the long game is is I carry the eternal victory of Jesus. And I'm bringing that victory into this moment. I live from that victory into this moment. It says this, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross. How could he go through such incredible pain? He looked at you redeemed and whole and in the glory of God. And because of that, it brought him joy, which brought him strength and allowed him to endure for a moment of suffering because he knew the prize, which is eternity with his family. And it's the same way. We have to stand firm. Open up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Our kids have been going through the armor of God for months now. It's pretty powerful. Last week, it was about, actually, I didn't realize it because I wasn't looking at the lessons where they're at. But my message and the message that they learned last week paralleled pretty quickly, if your parents remember that. But they basically had a sword, which represents the spirit. And they had a balloon that inside the balloon actually had power statements, truth statements, like you are powerful in the Lord, nothing's impossible for God, those types of stuff. And they, they taught them how to take the sword and pierce it so they could actually get the truth that was inside of it. They've been going through the armor of God. So verse 10, this is a New Living Translation. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me hear you say, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. How do you get in to the mighty power of God? You allow the mighty power to transform you. You submit, you surrender, you stand firm. You have this encounter. You realize you are God. It's you're the power, you're the might, you're the glory forever. I surrender myself, and in this place, I step into the mighty power because the mighty power actually steps in to me. Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Let me say all the strategies of the devil. Notice that again, it says stand firm. You're able to stand firm. What's the importance of standing firm? If I'm standing on one leg, this is why, I, I mean, I grew up with the karate kid. But I always had this wondering thing of the the, the stork or whatever. Or what is it? Not the stork. The crane. He's like this. I'm like, he, he has no solid base. Like a, a solid leg sweep is going to knock this kid over, right? But anyway, that, that would have ruined the story. What's the point? Stand firm. You have a solid foundation. If you played sports, they always taught you a fundamental foundational truth. Doesn't no matter if it's baseball, basketball, soccer, any of the other sports, you had to have stand firm. You had to have a solid base. Why? So you can move. Something comes and hits you, you can't be knocked over. It's all about having a firm base. And so we're called to stand in his mighty power, to be strong in the Lord and put on the armor of God so we can stand firm against the strategies of the enemy. Verse 12, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The biggest point to remember that is people aren't your enemy. They may be controlled by a spirit that is, but the person is not your enemy. Say Putin is not our enemy, but the demonic spirit that he's aligned himself with is and he might very well pay for his, pay with his life for that That's why we're praying for salvation. We're praying for returning to the Lord. This is where we have to soften our hearts for people. Before we move into this, but we have to become like Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, Daniel, his whole family is ripped apart whenever Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem and he tears down the walls. He actually ransacks and levels the temple of God and he brings Daniel and his friends into captivity, murders families, brings them into slavery, and Daniel's and friends are brought in to serve This evil king. Yet over a period of time, because Daniel stood firm in this relationship with the Lord. How do you stand firm? How do you stay in his mighty power? I know who he is, and I'm going to worship him no matter the circumstances. I will not let a temporary attack, even if it lasts my lifetime, move me off the place of standing firm in the goodness and the love of God, in this place of his authority. So Daniel Falls in love with Nebuchadnezzar because he's in love with God. How do I know this? There's this story where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, just like Pharaoh did in Egypt. And he comes and says, None of my sorcerers know how to do it. Daniel, do you know what this means? And what's Daniel's response? Oh, this would be about your enemies, O great king. It's interesting, Nebuchadnezzar hadn't changed yet. He's still the murderous son of a gun that he was the day he brought him into captivity. But Daniel came into this place of love and intimacy with him, understanding my battle's not against flesh and blood. It's actually against these principalities, and these principalities are actually aligning themselves. And Nebuchadnezzar, the man, is aligning himself with these principalities, and he says, oh, this would be about your enemies, but it's not. Let me tell you the truth in love. Unless you stop being arrogant or prideful and surrender to the Lord, you will be like a beast in the field for years. And notice what Nebuchadnezzar did. He didn't get mad at Daniel because he knew that Daniel spoke the truth. problem is, is that his heart, his heart was so hardened by his success. He says, "All right, I appreciate you telling me the truth, but he does not change. And all of a sudden what he does, he becomes dumb like an animal, lived in the field for how many years, number of years, seven years. Until he's restored, and on the flip side of it, when his mind's restored to him, Nebuchadnezzar says, oh, but I know the God of the universe. Yeah. He became born again in the context of the Old Covenant. He has this encounter with God. Why? Because Daniel did not hate the flesh man. He knew he was in a battle against the principalities. Why is that important? We will often position ourselves against people because they are representing evil ideologies okay can we can we all agree that Hitler's ideologies were evil yeah. what Putin's doing that's evil yeah. i would say this telling a man that he's not a man or a girl is not a girl that's that's rooted in some evil stuff yeah. cuz it's a perversion of created design yeah. and trying to expose little kids to that type of ideology at an early age is abusive I'm going to call it what it is but the people who are propagating that are not my enemy why because if I do that I take my eyes off of as it is in heaven put it here on the earth and suddenly the blood of Jesus stops speaking a better word and I go back to the blood of Abel that cries out for vengeance do you hear what I'm saying? So we step into this place and we pray for them. We stand against the ideologies. We stand for truth. We fight for the truth. But I will refuse to hate somebody because my father doesn't hate people. He hates evil. You okay? Verse 13, therefore, let me hear you say, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. This is not about the last day. This is about every day. There's a time where the evil is, is moving forward against you or against others. Look what it says this. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. It's interesting. This word, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm, continues to propagate itself throughout the scriptures. What's the goal on the flip side of this thing? Stand firm. What this tells me is is it doesn't matter the assault that comes at me. I have the capacity to stand in him that allows me to stand firm. So after the battle, if I don't grow weary in doing good, if I don't backtrack, if I don't take my eyes off of him, if if I stay in this place of him, I'll still be standing on the other side. And what am I looking around me? It's actually the bodies of my foes. I'm looking at the ideologies that fall by the wayside because they have no success over me. Do you understand what I'm telling you? The lie that seems so much like truth in a moment, but I stand firm and all of a sudden it's exposed to be a lie and it's thrown down to the ground. It, it becomes a seed it's a seed that's trying to infiltrate me, the lies of the enemy. But if I stand firm in this place of truth, that seed which shows up like a fiery dart because it's trying to penetrate, Actually, I look at it and go, No, that's not true. It becomes a dead seed. I don't give it a place to come into the ground of my heart. Put on every piece of your battle armor. Verse 14, so stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Let me hear you say belt of truth. This very pragmatically. What happens if you go into a battle and you have a heavy sword at your hip? and you don't have a belt on, what happens to your pants? (laughs) It's not easy to stand firm when your pants are falling down. (laughs) The belt of truth should be the center of everything about who you are. Come on, we got to be pragmatic here. Put on the body armor of God's righteousness. I'm going to say the breastplate. In the context where we live in, we've got body armor for our soldiers put on the breastplate of righteousness what is this this is the nature of who he is covers the nature of who you are the nature of who he is he is righteous and i become the righteousness of god in christ jesus that becomes my body armor i don't need metal i don't need something special i just need the righteousness of god it's enough For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. What is that telling me? It's the gospel of shalom. It's the gospel of wholeness. How am I able to stand firm? I'm standing firm in my wholeness already. I'm standing firm in the shalom, the peace of God. And you're like, it's all hell breaking loose out there. It doesn't matter. I'm standing on peace. Joshua, everywhere you step foot is the territory I'm giving you. I would propose to you saying everywhere you step is shalom. Everywhere you step, you're extending the peace of God everywhere you step. This is why when I walk into a place of business, peace has shown up. When I walk into a schoolroom. peace has shown up. When I walk into my home, peace has shown up. Why? Because I'm, I'm standing in. I've got shoes on. I'm firmly grounded in the peace of God that allows me to walk. It's interesting that he uses shoes. Why? Because shoes are meant to be walking. There's that old song, these boots are made for walking. <laughs> Maybe we ought to sing that to the devil sometime because these boots are going to walk all over you. The only problem with that is we get so devil-focused. Warfare was never meant to be about being focused on our enemy. Warfare was always meant to extend the kingdom of heaven. And whatever gets in the way that's our enemy, he'll be stepped on. But that's not the point, is not to defeat the devil. He was already defeated. The point is to take the victory of it is finished and extend it everywhere you walk for peace, shoes that put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. There's interesting in this real quick too. There's something in the shoes that equals preparation. You're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get on the battlefield, put on the wholeness of God and you're already fully prepared. Isn't that interesting? All you need is the peace of God, the wholeness of God. And you're already fully prepared for every strategy of the devil. It's interesting. It all works in conjunction with each other. Verse 16. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the helmet as your this put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. It's kind of interesting. A lot of times when we're teaching about the armor of God, we stop at Put on take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and we don't include verse 18, which is absolutely part of the armor of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. You're saying, does that mean speaking tongues? Yes. Does that mean speaking English? Yes. Does that mean speaking Spanish? Yes. Does that mean speaking German? Yes. Pray in the Spirit. Pray according to the Spirit on all occasions and every time. And in this place, what are you doing? The Word of God, which is vibrant and strong. Notice that when Jesus comes back, the illustration that's given when he opens his mouth, what comes out of his mouth? A sword. The spoken word becomes a sword that pierces. It cleanses the believers, but it pierces the darkness. It cleanses the believers but it slays the lies. This is why we have to have the word of God on our tongues, on our lips, in our heart at all times because in that moment of trial, and what is it? Boom, here's a sword coming out. In the name of Jesus, I speak life. In the name of Jesus, be alive. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, darkness go. Do you understand this? English known languages, angelic languages. The point is this. In the spirit of God, speak those things and let it become your sword. Because we're meant to go on the attack. I wrote this down. Where did I do that? I thought I'd type that out. I guess I didn't. didn't really matter. Helmet of salvation, what is that? The mind of Christ. I remember what I wrote. Helmet of salvation, what is that? It's the mind of Christ. Is Jesus fully saved? He never had to be saved in the first place. So he represents what salvation looks like. Innocence. The mind of Christ, the brilliance of God, the helmet of salvation is not an actual helmet. It's actually you thinking like Jesus thinks. And it's a helmet that actually protects you from the lies of the enemy that try to come against you. doesn't matter what the enemy wants to hit you in the head with. The moment he hit Jesus in the head with lies, Jesus smacked him back. I have the mind of Christ. What do I get to do? No, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil's like, that didn't work. Let me try this one. No, this is the truth. Jesus was able to operate with the mind of his Father. I already told you, the body armor of righteousness is the heart of God, which is his righteousness in nature. What's the shield of faith? Knowing what authority has to impact you or not. What has authority to impact you or not? You can lift up a shield of faith, and if you believe that certain things have the authority over you, it doesn't matter how big and how prophetic you are with your shield. If you think something has has the ability to pierce you, it will. This is why we must confront the lies of the enemy. But when we lift up the saying, nope, you don't have authority, you don't have authority, you don't have authority, it doesn't matter what he shoots at you, he can't actually take you down. God bless you. And again, what's the point of this? Go on the attack. James 4 7. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Part of resistance is actually an attack. It's important for us to be able to go back into the world and take what the territory the enemy already has. John 17 15. I do not pray that you should be taking, you should take them out of the world but that she should keep them from the evil one. This is Jesus praying to his father at the very end before he's to be taken away and crucified. I do not pray, Father, that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. In other words, right relationship with the Lord is going to allow you to withstand the battle. There's purpose in the battle. There's a why you're here on the planet. So it's important for us to get into the game wherever you're called to do. Rise up, stand firm, and then go on the attack. 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Let me say pulling down strongholds. Those that didn't say pulling down people. Pull down the strongholds who are, str- are, are strangling people. Casting down arguments. Let me hear you say Arguments. What's the enemy got in his arsenal? Arguments. That's all he's got. Lie, 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 lie. Lie, 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 That's all he's got. Arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, this, this Greek word again, knowledge being epikinosis, an experiential knowledge. So there's going to be things that are going to try to challenge your experience with God and say, no, your experience with God is not actually right. Let me, let me throw a disease at you, and let me throw a death at you, and let me throw a lie at you, so that you experience what it means to be punched or hurt or stabbed. That's what the wise are trying to do. So you have an experience outside of God that causes you to challenge whether God is good. That's what the warfare is doing. And in that place, you go, no, no, no. Everything that challenges the experience of who God is in my life, no, I'm going to step into. This is why we're supposed to actually bring the gospel of the kingdom where we want, where he's calling us to go. It says casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Luke 11:20. If I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. It's time to go on the warpath. Final one would be this. No matter the attack, you will be delivered. Let me say, I will be delivered. Second Timothy four seventeen. Go and flip your Bibles real quick to that. It's an important verse, and we're gonna we're gonna Second Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four, verses seventeen and eighteen. second Timothy 4:17 and 18 this is really important to understand how many people know the story where Paul said a messenger of Satan was sent to to come against me he had this thorn in the side is what he called it and and there could be a lie that the enemy would say yep you're always going to be hounded by the devil your entire life. That, that The attack you're going through is never, ever going to go away. And I would to say this, you will be delivered from it. Amen. Paul was delivered from it. Let me prove it to you right here in Scripture. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me. Listen to this, how personal this is. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Verse 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So go ahead and set your Bibles aside. And I just want to encourage you right now. If you've gone through a season where you feel like, and you've come into agreement, well, this is my thorn in the flesh, this is my cross to bear, this is the thing I might have to deal with. What I'm here to tell you is right this, even Paul was delivered from the mouth of the lion, and you will be delivered for his eternal glory here on the earth as it is in heaven. So why don't you stand up with me? Close your eyes, bow your heads, get in the presence of the Lord. And just ask the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? If you're in this place right now and you know Jesus, You've become born again to stay in that place. Listen to him. But if you're in this room right now and you would say, I really don't know that I've been saved. I really don't know that I've been delivered from the hand of death. I'll just tell you this morning, it's time to be born again. Not by your works, but by what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That's the overflow of your heart that believes that the Father raised Jesus from the dead. It says then you'll be saved. So the question is this: Are you ready to enter into life? Are you ready to enter into victory? If that's you right now, nobody's looking but me, would you just raise up your hand? Yeah, I see you. Praise God. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. Just declare it with me right now Jesus, you are my Lord. You won complete victory. My life belongs to you. I will no longer live my life according to my ways, but instead, I will live your ways. I believe the Father rose you from the grave and I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Transform me from the inside out. Fill me with the same spirit that Jesus lived by, with the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, and the same spirit that's been living in me now. I commit to you my life. Yeah, there's two people that gave their life to the Lord right now. I just want to make this declaration. I felt like the Lord said just to, to position you to get into the presence of the Lord and begin at home today asking the Lord. What areas have I allowed the enemy to have victory so that I can reestablish the victory of the Lord in my life? Do battle. Put on the armor of God. Believe that you have the mind of Christ, which is brilliant. Believe. Put on the armor of God. The righteousness becomes your body armor. It's the righteousness of God. It's your nature being transformed so that nothing can pierce that. We just put on the belt of truth around our waist which centers us in every part of the battle. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. So we're prepared to stand firm, to stand our ground and take victory and extend it everywhere we go. We just lift up the shield of faith right now and says, there is nothing outside the word of God that has authority over us other than the word of God. Nothing Repeat after me, nothing has authority over my life other than the word of God. And we take up the sword of the spirit right now. And we will pray in the spirit on all occasions and pray for believers everywhere. And we just declare right now, now is the season. Just declare with me, now is the season for the kingdom of heaven to be advanced in my life, in my family's life, in my city's life, in my nation, and into the nations of the world. And we just declare this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with legacy, go to our website www.legacynb.com